1: Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray.
2: Hello and welcome wherever you are in our great country or around the world. As stated, this is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Variety Channel. Always just happy to share thoughts with you. Uh, We libertarians actually have something we call AMAs, which stands for Ask Me Anything, and uh, we have the presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party with us today as our guest, Dr. Joe Jorgensen, and we're going to ask her just pretty much across the block, and, and we're, we're supportive of her, we're proud of her, and we're certainly going to uh, promote Dr. Joe Jorgensen for President of the United States as a Libertarian and, and get rid of this polarization. Uh, I anticipate that she would put in a coalition government that is certainly in her cabinet and other high officials, uh, certainly Libertarians, independent-minded people, but also Republicans and Democrats, as long as they have our philosophy of live and let live, responsibility both socially and financially across the board including certainly governmental and uh kind of a don't tread on me don't tread on anybody approach but what we'll flesh this out we'll find out she is an amazing lady she she really is uh she is One of the few repeat guests that we've had, if you wish, on demand here on All Rise, you can go back to the broadcast on May the 1st of 2020. But uh, something rather substantial has happened since that time, so we've had her on rather rather quickly again, once again, because she is now the nominee for President of the United States for the Libertarian Party. A little bit of background, Uh, Dr. Joe Jorgensen, spelled J-O-R-G-E-N-S-E-N, is a, right now a senior lecturer in psychology at Clemson University. Uh, we call her doctor because she holds a Ph.D. in industrial and organizational psychology from Clemson University back in 2002 and has really taught full-time since 2006. Graduated before that from Baylor University, which, by the way, is where my daughter-in-law graduated recently uh, with a Bachelor of Science in psychology and then 1980 from SMU with an MBA. So this lady certainly has all the credentials. Uh, since earning her MBA, as I understand it, she put her education to work as a marketing representative for IBM. You've probably heard of that group. Then re- relocated to Greenville, South Carolina, 1983, started her own software sales business. Talk about being a libertarian. She covers the bases. And then, After taking a career sabbatical to raise her two children, she became a partner in a software duplication company, later taking over as president and sole owner. So she founded a business consulting company in 2002 and continues working with select clients. Uh, So you can tell, obviously, she has a great deal of expertise. Uh, Dr. Joe, I will confess to you openly like I have before that you want to know my techie ability. I'm almost ready to grapple with a Y2K problem. Not quite, but I think I'm almost <laughs> there, so I, I think you're a bit ahead of me. But she's also ahead of me Not because much. <laughs> she joined the Libertarian Party in 1983. I didn't join until about 2001, so she's been there, she's served as a Greenville County Chair, State Vice Chair, National marketing Director for the Libertarian Party. So as I say, we're proud of Dr. Joe Jorgensen. And welcome, Dr. Joe. Glad you're with us on here and all rise.
3: Oh, thanks so much. Glad to be here again.
2: Well, I should think. So, as I said, you were on my broadcast on May the 1st of 2020. Uh, we have had some significant libertarian uh, changes since then. Uh, you did run for vice president with, uh, uh, let's see, Harry Brown
3: yes, back in. 96
2: back in, in 1996. So again, she, she's been with us for a while. But, but uh, we all know you've worked hard. We, we worked hard and you received that nomination. But tell us all, what went through your mind when you finally secured the Libertarian Party nomination to be the first female president of the United States of America?
3: You know, it didn't even occur to me that I was the first woman to get it, because I think the message is so much more important than who delivers it. And I would much rather vote for a man Uh, promoting liberty than a woman promoting socialism. However, that being said, I would like to point out that so many people are saying we don't like the non-choice we have of two old, rich, white guys. So I think that this was the perfect election year for me to be nominated. So, of course, I'm going to capitalize on that. But, no, I was just uh, thrilled that the libertarians accepted my message and that that was the message they wanted to put forth.
2: Very, very well stated. And... uh uh, and accurately so. I would, I'd love to have a Golda Meir be president of the United States. Or, I mean, it, it just doesn't matter from my standpoint. Uh, we want the best person. And here, the Libertarian has decided that it's Dr. Joe Jorgensen. So you're traveling. You're on the campaign trail. Uh, where are you right now? Although this will be, we're, we're taping it earlier. This will be broadcast on the 21st of August. But where are you right now? And actually, what would you be doing today, Dr. Joe?
3: Well, I am in Seattle, and I'm here for a very important uh, event. Here, I'm part of a protest, the Let Her Debate protest, which you know, as you know, libertarians have had a hard time getting on the stage with the Democrats and Republicans. And again, it's the phony argument that they say, well, the debate commission is saying no, but we all know that the presidential debate commission consists of half Democrats and half Republicans. And also, they say, well, but. Three, four people on the stage, that's just too many. And yet the Democrats managed to have nine people on the stage not that long ago. So a lot of people, again, two old rich white guys, they would like to see another choice, another viewpoint. We uh,
2: had the former chair of the Libertarian Party, Nick Sarwark, who, as you know, Dr. Joe, ran for mayor of Phoenix, and uh, they had debates, and he was involved with all of them. And, of course, it went quite well, except for the last one when he had a prior commitment, as he told us here on All Rise. So there were only two candidates, the Republicans and Democrats, and his supporters later told him that, oh, boy, they didn't discuss anything that they didn't want to discuss. You know, they channeled it into just attacking each other and didn't discuss any of these issues, but Nick, when you were on the stage, you made them address various issues. And I know that that you will do that as well on that stage, which is another reason why the Republicans and Democrats simply do not want a third voice there. Uh, You know, of course, course, we had a lawsuit against them when I was running for vice president in 2012, and we found their documents. And the documents that founded their commission literally say, we're going to use this commission to get the Republican and Democratic words out to the voters. But what it should have is any political party that's on enough ballots technically to win the presidency should have a seat at the table. It's hard to get on any ballots, much less enough to be there. So it's rigged. It's not American. Thank you for, for doing this uh, and, and have on. What, what, what is going to be your focus today at that, at that protest?
3: Well, again, to get me on the debate stage, and I'd like to make a comment on what you were saying about Nick. In 92, I ran for U.S. House, and I got to tell you, South Carolina treats libertarians very well, better than most states, let me put it that way. Uh, we don't have any ballot access problems, and the uh, local news media treated me very well, and the NBC affiliate had me on the stage on a televised debate with Liz Patterson and Bob Inglis, and I was the one actually who was in the middle, and once again, it was Democrats and Republicans, you know, fighting against each other on almost non-issues, and the Greenville News the next day referred to me as a rose between two thorns (laughs) between the Democrat-Republican, and what they do is they put these issues out there that make it appear to voters as though they have a choice, as though there is a choice between the Republican and the Democrat, but if you look at the choice we have now, one of the things I would point out is that there is is no choice between Biden and Trump. And I've had interviewers ask me, well, okay, which one is better or which one is worse or which one would you attack on which policy? And my answer is I attack both of them equally on all policies. If you look, we've got, you know, Democrats are, are traditionally the party of peace. They're the anti-war party. And yet Joe Biden is a hawk and the Democratic machine kept Tulsi Gabbard off the stage. And of course, we all know he wants big government. Trump on the other side, said he would bring the troops home. He hasn't. He's shown that he's a war hawk. And even though he said that he would get rid of the deficit, not only is he not getting rid of it, he's headed in the wrong direction, and it's just increasing at a very fast rate. So really, they're both big government in pretty much every aspect.
2: Dr. Joe, I I tell people as often as I can that, for example, the Libertarian Party is the only one that represents the people in the military, the men and women in uniform, because we would require there to be a declaration of war before we would send them off into battle, or, or certainly keep them there over 60 days. So we're the only ones, and they represent their families as well, because the the two main stodgy parties have put us our, our troops into wars all around the all around the world. Uh, we have numbers of Military reservations all around the world that we should conduct an audit for and close virtually all of them in a lot of ways. But but you're right. That we're you were talking about being in the middle, you're both in the middle figuratively as well as literally <laughs> uh, between between these two and, and there really isn't that much difference between them. So okay, you're on all yeah, sharing and, and away with yeah. Judge Jim Gray. Yes.
3: Yeah, and do you mind if I comment on what you said? Um, I Please. really like the way how how you phrased that, that the Libertarian Party is the only party for the military. Um, and, and I love the way that you made that point. And for those people who don't know, I'd like to point out that now uh, Ron Paul was our 1988 presidential candidate and later on ran as a Republican. And when he ran in 2012, he got more votes from the soldiers overseas than any other Republican candidate and he got more donations from overseas candidates than all the other Republican candidates combined. And so many people are surprised about that. Like, wait a minute. Uh, Ron Paul's anti war. Why are all the soldiers voting for him? And it's because the soldiers who go over there see that we're not accomplishing anything. They see that we're making things worse. And, you know, they signed up to defend our country, and they're not over there defending our country. They're basically getting in everybody else's business. So they are the ones who are out there who can see what's going on. And so I think it'd be a good idea to maybe listen to them as well.
2: <laughs> kind of. Well, let me ask you a very pointed and direct question that I'm, you will not be able to dodge, of course, because you never do. <laughs> but what you are, you are running for president of the United States. We have troops in Afghanistan and have been there since, what, 2003. What is the goal today for our troops to be in Afghanistan, Dr. Joe Jorgensen?
3: Well, that's what I'd like to ask President Trump. Uh, what I would do on my first day of office is start planning to bring our troops home. Now, I might bring them home from other places first. We would have to look. But, uh, again, our being over there is partially what caused the war on terror. And I'd like to quickly put in the disc- you know, the disclaimer here. Nothing justified 9-11. Bin Laden twisted everything around. However. Us being over there and breaking our promise made it a lot easier for him to twist our actions and to recruit people. If we hadn't been over there, it would have been a lot harder for him to convince people to fly planes into buildings.
2: Indeed so, and in fact, uh, on all rise, we had Scott Horton on as a guest, and he oh, wrote good. the book A Fool's Errand, which I strongly recommend to people. He really opened my eyes, and he said that it was the CIA that, in effect, tricked the Soviet Union into Afghanistan, and then, of course, we supplied material and... Weapons to Osama bin Laden and people like that. And then once they were kicked out, which is, of course, the beginning of the fall, being the beginning of the end of the Soviet Union, then mm-hmm. he said that, okay, Osama bin Laden learned this. And of course, he is from Saudi Arabia, but he went yep. to Afghanistan and tricked us to go into Afghanistan by creating 9 11. And he had a lot to talk about. It's just we've been we've been duped with regard to that, and I think oh, yeah. I think the and, direct and so answer to times, my question is there is no goal we We don't have a goal there. We should bring our troops out of Afghanistan.
3: right, and he also makes the point, and it's a point that libertarians have been making for a while is that often we're fighting against our own uh, war equipment. we're fighting <laughs> against our own guns. We will supply countries, and then we end up being on the other side a few years later.
2: Yes, and that's just true. It's, it's just been a boondoggle. It is not a surprise that the people in the military supported Ron Paul and will support Joe Jorgensen. The libertarians speak for the people in the military. We have an absolute obligation to them before we put them into battle to know that it's a, there's a goal to help our national security, our national interests. We have failed that. We will not under a libertarian guidance. So, so okay, this is your opportunity, Dr. Joe. Uh, You've mentioned a few things. What are your issues? Why should Joe Q. Public, Janet Q. Public, vote for Dr. Joe Jorgensen, libertarian candidate for president?
3: Well, first of all, because I'm the candidate who's on their side and not the side of the special interests and bureaucrats and lobbyists. But right now, one of my main issues is a main issue that's... uh, that Americans are concerned about, which is health care. And if there's one idea I would like to spread to every voter is that right now we hear politicians say, well, the free market didn't work, so I guess we're going to have to go to single payer. Well, I'd like to point out that we haven't had a free market system in close to 100 years. And it's, it, if we had had a free market system, we would be much better off. And if we look at the only two Specialties within medicine that are somewhat free market, both of those specialties, which by the way are LASIK surgery and cosmetic surgery, um, and they're somewhat free market because people spend their own money. um, Their prices have gone down dramatically in the last 20 years and quality has gone up. And isn't that what we want in healthcare? Every other area of healthcare, the Prices have generally gone up, and we don't have anybody holding prices down. And if we go to a single-payer system, the prices are going to skyrocket even more. And we keep hearing uh, people say, well, we need Medicare for all. Well, when I hear Medicare for all, what I think is VA hospital for all, and we see how well that monopoly worked. You know, it's funny how so many people hate it when corporations have monopolies, and yet they're asking for the federal government to be a monopoly. Why would they be any more responsive?
2: Well, you certainly convinced me uh, this is just <laughs> this is this is crazy at the way I phrase it and you phrase it very well. And you're certainly right with regard to cosmetic surgery and LASIK eye surgery. You know, come to Dr. Gray. You'll see these advertisements. I'll give you a payment plan. You know, the price is, is reasonable, et cetera. Yep. But I say if you want our health care to be run by the equivalent of the Department of Motor Vehicles, that's where we're going. And I don't know anybody yep. that wants that to happen. So, so good for you, And in, in fact. So um, we have the COVID virus, which is certainly serious. Uh, President Jorgensen, we now find that, can't, that China has this virus. Uh, <clears throat> what is the Jorgensen presidency going to do to address this situation?
3: Well, first of all, the opposite of what Trump did. Two regards. First of all, personal liberties. Again, this was the largest assault on our personal liberty that I've seen in my lifetime, uh, with both regards to personal freedom and financial freedom. So the first thing I would do is get rid of the FDA obstacles that kept testing kits from getting into the hands of Americans. And Trump, much later, way too late, did get rid of some of the obstacles, but I would have on day one gotten rid of the efficacy requirement so that we could have had testing kits out to people, because the efficacy requirement just adds so much time. And at the time, here's what's ironic: we kept hearing how South Asia was doing, a, or Southeast Asia rather, was doing such a great job with testing, and they were getting the virus under control. Yet yeah, they were doing that with test kits made in America, test kits that we weren't allowed to buy. And then the other thing. I would have done is because people would have been able to be tested. People could have gone to work, and we would not have shut down the economy. We would not have lost tens of millions of jobs, and I would not have stood there next to Dr. Fauci encouraging the governors to step aside and and to shut down their economies. And you know, a lot of people ask me, "Do you think there's any hope for America? Do you think it's too far gone?" and I tell people, you know, well, first of all, I'm the eternal optimist, but I got to admit, sometimes I do get down. But when I saw people in states have this uprising, when I saw the people in Michigan circling the state house with their cars, I thought, great, American individualism is not dead. Uh, people do want their freedoms, and it was just such a great sight to see. Indeed, so. And the other
2: thing, and, in
3: fact, we on
2: on all rise interviewed Ken Armstrong, and you know him, of course, he was a, he was seeking the libertarian nomination for president as well. But he was the head of the Los Angeles Port Authority, and he was involved with planning ahead for emergencies. And so he did, because you never know when an emergency is going to happen. It could be a hurricane, an earthquake, a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So he had planned for an earthquake as well as other things. And about two or three years later, they had the earthquake plans were on the line. They were ready and they were used and it really helped a great deal. So the government failed us from my standpoint, both state and federal, to have failed to have planned for this. So I think the Jorgensen administration would have started planning in advance as well. Uh, Do you see that as a function of the federal government and then providing honest information and recommendations out to the public?
3: Well, absolutely, I would provide information. I gotta admit, though, the word planning does worry me a little bit. Of, of course, I'm against central planning. We saw how well it worked for Russia. I think the free market does a much better job of responding and reacting. And we saw that with the great San Francisco hurricane, or earthquake, rather. We saw corporations step in much more quickly than the federal government. We saw people stepping in much quicker than FEMA with uh, Hurricane Katrina, and we see an outpouring of of help. And even this time around with the coronavirus, we even had the pillow guy you know changing some of his assembly plants some of some of his manufacturing plants to make uh masks, so I would prefer to let the fierceness the vigorousness of the free market step in rather than having government planning, but I do see the government's job as being, you know, spreading what information they have to keeping people up to date and allowing the adults to make their decisions.
2: And if you don't know something, for heaven's sake, say so, instead of throwing yep. things back and forth. But I expect you... Oh, would... yeah.
3: And, yeah. And, and if you don't mind, and, and I'm sorry, sometimes I'm cutting off. I'm in a hotel it's room. It's your you show, know Dr. Joe, You've done this before. It's your show. and your uh, and uh, this is a uh, kind of a bad line, and sometimes I can't hear you. But um, uh, I wanted to make the point about, you know, with the uh, federal government, with all of this, uh, you know, what we're talking about here with the um, planning and the coronavirus. Uh, well, I'm sorry. It actually, it, it, I, I'm sorry. The, the phone it, it's it's echoing, and I kind of lost my thought.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I expect I've never tried this with you before, but I would get rid of FEMA in a lot of ways, and then just by contract, contract with the the Red Cross, who does a far better job with regard to emergency disaster relief. You know, like you say, the private sector is able to respond. And with the public sector, you get into politics, you get into bureaucracy, you get into, oh, I'm not going to make the decision because then if it goes wrong, you can blame me. Well, the private sector, you know, does these things all the time. So- so you're on your you're on your campaign. Let's say that you are getting an interview and you have three minutes to impress the voters with your issues. Uh, what three issues would you discuss? and here's your three minutes of time?
3: Oh, I would discuss health care that is literally a life or death situation, and there aren't many free markets around the world, and we don't have a free market. But at least we we um, do have some stay over our health care, and that's why people from Canada, for instance, come down. I would also mention, as we've talked about, bringing the troops home. The purpose of the military is to protect us and to make us more safe, not less safe. And the last thing I would add, which we haven't discussed, is the environment, because this is something that people have been talking about. They are concerned about it. And, again, I see politicians steering people in completely the wrong direction. And what's ironic is
0: um,
3: I was in the third-party debate in March, And this was, you know, many different parties as well, including somebody from the Socialist Party. And in her closing remarks, she, you know, again, very concerned about the government, as people on the left are. And she pointed out that the Department of Defense, the U.S. government Department of Defense, is the largest polluter, the biggest polluter on the planet Earth. And then her very next statement was talking about how bad corporations are. And I, you know, I wanted to say, hey, did you, did you listen to what you just said? You know, you are basically going to the government, the the people who are causing the problem, and asking them to fix it. Maybe if there's a problem, you don't go to the people who are causing it. And once again, we see the free market do a much better job than the federal government. And wherever, if you look at around the globe, whenever you see um, big government, you see much more pollution. If you see smaller government, more freedom, then you see less pollution. And do you mind if I quickly add one more example here?
2: You have another minute and a half. Go ahead.
3: Okay. Well, perfect. So um, the Gulf oil spill, a lot of people once again said, well, we should have had the government involved. That wouldn't have happened. What they don't realize... Is that the government helped create that problem by putting a cap on the liability so that the company didn 't suffer the consequences now in a free market they would have had to have gone to an insurance company now granted they didn 't have to have insurance, but then they would have gone bankrupt as you yeah. know as well they should, but in order to stay in business, they would have had to have gotten insurance to cover the costs, and the insurance company would have either said nope, too risky we 're not covering it or The company would have said, okay, we'll insure you, but we don't want to pay out any claims. So tell you what, we're going to come out and we're going to inspect your oil rigs every week, every month, whatever, just to make sure you're keeping up the code and doing everything correctly because there there would be a profit motive. So there would be a profit motive to keep the environment pristine. There is no motive with the government if there's an oil spill or anything else. The government just says, oh, well, you know, we'll raise taxes, and the taxpayers foot the bill. There's no accountability with the hear government. Ye,
2: hear ye. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to a break for a couple of minutes. I would like you to ponder what Dr. Joe Jorgensen just said, because incentives do matter. And the, if the government makes a mistake, there's no incentive. There's there's no payback. There's no form of of, uh, response. But in the private sector, there is. I would also ask you to think of one more thing. Try to come up with a time in which the government has intruded into the market. When the result was not, the prices went way up and the quality of services and goods went way down. Healthcare is exactly the answer. We're going to talk about uh, also education, which is also where the government has just created a colossal tragedy. But we're going to do that with Dr. Joe Jorgensen. Libertarian campaign for President of the United States of America. A solid lady, a solid background, a solid person, and she's going to be a solid candidate and a solid president. We're going to come back after these few words. Stay tuned.
0: The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. We are Americans all, strengthened by You are listening
1: to All Rise, the Libertarian Way, with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, Back to All Rise. Well, welcome
2: back. This is Judge Jim Gray again with our esteemed, enlightened, practical, solid guest, Dr. Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate for president of the United States, November 2020, will literally be uh, in the middle of everything. Uh, Figuratively, literally speaking, she will be refreshing she will give you that choice. You can actually be feeling really good about this and vote for somebody instead of against somebody. Uh, She will give you someone to vote for. But before we come back to Dr. Joe, uh, as regular listeners to All Rise understand, my my wife has requested that I inject a little, at least, intentional silliness into my show. And this is usually where I do Mm -hmm. it. And I bring in, at least right now, a couple of lexophiles, which are kind of play on words. So, uh, Dr. Joe, did you hear that when the lady got married, she got a new name and address? (laughs) Or or on a similar line, did you hear that the police were were cited to go to a child care center recently because a four-year-old boy was resisting arrest? That's my (laughs) attempt for the moment, folks, but uh, at any rate, we're having fun here. And and your wife,
3: yes and your wife
2: still loves you. <laughs> she, well, yeah, she she puts me off on the show here so she doesn't have to listen to them. She won't have to listen until August <laughs> 21st, but but we're having fun. And and I can I can tell you and it's right along the lines of what Dr. Joe was talking about that uh at the moment I am putting together a podcast with two other cohorts. Uh and it's it, it, I've written a musical called Convention: The Birth of America. There are 18 songs in that and we're going to have one one session, one edition of this podcast center around each show. And the name of the podcast is, is not my, not what I came up with, but I think it's wonderful. It's called becoming America. America is a perfect idea. The United States of America is a work in progress. Well, so we're not perfect, we we can certainly see that, but we're striving toward perfection. America is a perfect idea, and one of the ways where I would like to strive, and one of the most important issues for me, for our country today, including world peace, is our failing schools. We have too many government schools around our country that are failing our children, and it's simply not necessary. The answer, just like Dr. Joe was saying with regard to health care, the answer is competition. It's being... So you can, you can bring in competition by charter schools, voucher programs, homeschooling, uh, occupational schools. So I hope that school choice will be one of the major issues of the Jorgensen-Cohen campaign. Uh, are, you, are you with that? Are you accenting that, Dr. Joe? And how important an issue is this for you and our
3: country? I am for putting educational decisions where they belong parents, teachers, and students. I would work very hard to abolish the Department of Education. i like to point out that people in rural Appalachia have much different needs and desires than people in downtown New York City, so there should not be a government, a federal government one-size-fits-all. However, one of the things that I rail against is the federal government getting where, you know, getting into places where it doesn't belong. And I think one of those is education. And I think once we get the federal government out of education, I think that locally education will head in the right direction. And I'm going to leave as far as which type of local education they have, I'm going to hope that we've got local candidates state, and local candidates who are pushing very good options. So, absolutely, I would get rid of the federal Department of Education and put the decision-making where it belongs.
2: And, in fact, if we could, and, of course, presidents can't do this, but encourage the state's governments to get out of education as well, that it is a local matter. Who cares more about the? who has a better position to decide how best to educate a child, the child's parents or the government? I mean, let's just... Focus on that. So, so I'm glad to hear that. This is a huge issue. That uh, if only the. And they're starting to. African-Americans in our country, Hispanics, which are frequently in the lower economic areas, are beginning to understand that if they would be empowered to choose where that government money would be spent for the education of their children, just like in Milwaukee and New Orleans and places in Indiana, Florida, around the country, they would ask, demand excellence, and they would receive it. So it's just, if you don't provide a quality education to a child, regardless of where or under what circumstances. That child most likely will never reach his or her potential. What a tragedy. Only libertarians are really effectively pushing for that. Only Dr. Joe Jorgensen is going to stand for excellence for the education of your child. Think about that and vote, in fact, accordingly. So you also
3: mentioned... Go. Yeah, and I'd like to expand on what you said because you talked about blacks. What's really interesting is they had done this study a while back, and I'm sure it still holds true, in which they looked at how blacks voted. And basically, they voted Democrat, as you know, that's no surprise, right? But when there were referendums, when there were local issues, and they were asked to vote. They voted for less government. They voted for more liberty, more freedom, less spending, fewer taxes. So their issue voting was actually different from the candidates they were supporting. And I think if we had, again, put the choice in everybody's hands, people make the right decisions. And also, you're talking about education at, you know, we're talking uh, K through 12 here. If we look at college, right now, what really concerns me with, with, with education is college education because we're hearing so many calls for having government Uh, You know, they say government paying for college, right, but we all know, you know, Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi aren't taking money out of their back pockets, so it's not government paying for it, it's us paying for it. And if you look at the stats, the average person with a four-year college degree makes about a million dollars more during their lifetime than somebody without a college degree. So why would we have, let's say, car mechanics, electricians, and cashiers, had their taxes go towards buying the college education of doctors, lawyers, and accountants. Why? That, that doesn't even make sense.
2: Well, it really doesn't. And if you have others who say they didn't go to college, they become an electrician, they've worked hard, they pay their taxes. Why should they pay for a college education for someone else? Or if someone is it goes through, uh, they're talking about reparations, they're talking about reimbursements because somebody went through and borrowed a whole bunch of money which of course was guaranteed by the government <clears throat> and then they they flubbed away their education somebody else went to city college and to, had had a job while they were going to school and finally in in a common sense responsible economic matter, got their degree. Why should that person now be taxed to pay for the education that somebody was not responsible? Again, it just doesn't make any sense from any standpoint except one, and that is political. They're pandering to the voters. They're it was to Tocqueville, remember, Democracy in America, something like 1820, who said democracy will work until the politicians understand that they'll be able to buy the voters' votes using the voters' money. And I think that's exactly where we are yep. today. They're just pandering to the yep. voters. And, Along and a similar what? line, a we, voters, we've talked.
3: A lot of voters are seen through that. One of my favorite political clips of the last uh, election was that voter talking to Elizabeth Warren. I'm not sure if saw it. And he said, "This, you know, he said, what about, because uh, not only did she want free college, she wanted to forgive student loans. And there were multiple candidates who were pushing that. And one of the guys was saying, you know what? I worked a second job. I gave up my vacation so that we didn't have to take out a student loan. So are you going to give me money? And Elizabeth Warren said no. (laughs) And he said, so basically you're going to give it to the people who were irresponsible, who went and took vacations and borrowed money? How is that fair? So even Americans see that there's a sense of fairness that's just being violated.
2: Exactly right. Now, again, any time you get the government involved in these things, they become arbitrary and they become political, and that's what we have seen, and that's what we're continuing to see. We haven't talked about the deficit yet, uh, Doctor Joe. You knew, you heard me, and during the debate, say that that uh, my grandson was born on April twenty-two. In fact, he's staying with us right now, so uh, I I just saw my wife through the window carrying him again happily, but mm-hmm. but I looked at him and said, "Well, Hudson, you know what a miracle child." And the second thing I said was, "Well, all right." Because of the deficit, you're $72,000 in debt pay up. Uh, And we're the only ones that speak for the children, that we're saddling them with a deficit. You know, now we're paying all this money, the trillions of dollars to various (laughs) corporations or or others uh, arbitrarily. And uh, it's our children that are gonna have to pay this back. Libertarians are responsible. In fact, I think you'd agree with this as well, that the major difference between libertarians and other political parties is we do not want to profit by being involved in government. We just want a clear playing field in which uh, everybody has an equal opportunity. That ain't so with regard to the Democrats and Republicans.
3: Oh, absolutely. And we were talking about the environment before the break. Right now, there is not a level playing field on energy sources. And again, we have the left talking about pollution. Well, then why are you voting for big government, which is subsidizing coal and oil? Um, Why don't we have a level playing field there? maybe we would see clean technologies such as nuclear technology take the lead. And right now we have a vigorous free market with different companies competing, coming up with different options. For instance, Rolls-Royce has developed a nuclear reactor that's about a tenth the size of the old technology. So how about let's level the playing field there as well, and I think we would see uh, a much better uh, energy source for for the environment.
2: Well, as I understand it, you were talking with us all now using your cell phone. Dr. Joe, imagine what your cell phone would be like if the government had uh, manufactured it and and uh, created it and, and investigated it all, as opposed to what, Apple or whatever it is you're doing. How good would your cell phone be if it had been done by the federal government's auspices?
3: Oh, right. And, and I've heard many times that the reason that computers uh move technologically as fast as they did was because the government couldn't keep up enough with the technology to tax it, <laughs> that, that they just went off. And also, I do compare computers to the nuclear technology, because a lot of people, when they hear nuclear power, they have visions of the old technology, they're concerned about... Um, about safety, about the waste, and what they don't realize is what happened was the federal government looked at the different options and said, "Okay, we're going with this option," and it wasn't necessarily the best one. So imagine if the government took a look at all the computers and looked at you know Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and IBM and all that, and they said, "Okay, Bill Gates, we're picking your technology. Steve Jobs, you can go home. All your others can go home." Imagine how. Uh, You know, we wouldn't have different computer companies working for us, giving us the best quality for the best price. And I think that's something that especially younger people who are concerned about the environment, I think they can understand. You know what? I think it is better that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates both had computers out there. And you know what? Choice was kind of (laughs) nice.
2: Kind of nice indeed, and I've been just still pondering what you said with regard to Gulf oil uh, in the uh, in that spill. That uh, you know the government overseeing it. Okay, fine. Oh, too bad. Oh, there was a big problem. But if they're bonded. Uh, it's just like actually with with attorneys I don't think attorneys should have to get a state license I think that they should be bonded however, and then the insurance companies are going to be footing the bill if I make some mistakes are going to make sure that I know what I'm doing and it's the private sector you get those incentives uh, so let's go back exactly. though, for a minute with regard to health care because uh, some people say bluntly, oh I would repeal Obamacare which by the way I would, but if you say mm-hmm. that you're going to alienate maybe four percent of the voters who are going to think from that, oh, you don't care about me. So what you do instead is say, Obamacare doesn't work because of these various reasons, Medicare for all and go back to the Department of Motor Vehicles, et cetera. No, we're going to replace it. Most people are able to handle financially their own health care needs. So get the government out of that and then competition will be brought back. And then kind of like with school choice, you could provide some vouchers to people on a sliding scale, depending upon their economic ability which those people could use in the free market to purchase health insurance or even use as copays, So the costs come down, the benefits go up, and the government is not involved. Uh, would, would you go along with that system of health vouchers and instead of saying, I will, I will re- repeal Obamacare, say, no, I will replace it with something that works?
3: Yeah, well, I've been advocating the Singapore system, and I realize as Libertarians, we all want to go to purely free markets. Absolutely, I want to go there, too. However, what we have right now is a system that is so entrenched in the government, and prices have skyrocketed so much, we can't just simply overnight say, okay, we're erasing everything we have, because people wouldn't be able to afford the stuff. So what I would do is have a, a system like Singapore and it, in which, instead of vouchers, actually put money in their account, and then they use those dollars to have the doctors compete for the best prices. And, in fact, that's what the state of Indiana has done, and... What's interesting is before they put the system in. By the way, they made it voluntary. However, you know, in the first year, not many people signed up. But second and third year, as word got around about how great the system is, uh, a majority of the people signed up. They think it's a great system. So, before they instituted it, only ten percent of the drugs bought by the state employees were generic drugs. And and that's what you would expect, right? You never spend somebody else's money as well as you spend your own. So <laughs> what do you no care? Kidding. Well, after they instituted this, within just like a year or two, Ninety percent of the drugs bought were generic, and here's the best part: the people were glad to buy that because they got to keep the savings. And that's yes. the way it's supposed to work. If you shop around for a car, you shop around for the best gas prices or groceries. Guess what? You get to keep the savings. And so, by actually putting money into their accounts, now they get to uh, you know they get the benefit of that, and and that will force providers to start competing on price. So we have to have price competition before we can just simply say, okay, free market. So I think that's a great step to get to a free market. First we gotta we gotta put healthcare dollars under the control of people so that competition drives down prices. And last I'd like to add, this is what I would do for the VA hospital. It's atrocious that our service people or veterans who are willing to risk their lives uh, are being given a system so horrible as the VA hospital system so put the dollars in their pockets and let them shop around for their best quality and price just like the laser and um cosmetic
2: surgery dr joe i'm proud to be a libertarian uh I have learned something just in the last two or three minutes. In your, I think your proposal to Singapore is better than what I was proposing, and so I have no pride. Let's do that. I think that oh, it's it's a refined, you? better system. <laughs> but but and if it weren't, I'd I'd say so. But uh, that's that's what we do. Ask me anything. Let's find out what works. Dr. Milton Friedman, of course, is my hero and I'm sure yours. He said something that would revolutionize the government of the United States of America if followed, which is we should judge our programs by the results, not their good intentions. And that just really says it all. The results there in Singapore, we would see the same results here in the United States. We just need to educate people about this. So, Dr. Joe, there's only two of you running as president and vice president candidates for the Libertarian Party: you, Dr. Joe Jorgensen, and Spike Cohen, well, who, by like the way, I've, I've listened to him more, you, yeah, and he's really quite the, an articulate fellow. But go ahead.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. Before you move on, I just wanted to, uh, you know, expand on your points about Milton Friedman he was truly a hero of mine. And I really loved his, and, and you're right, I loved the point that you made. I also loved how he told people, you know, basically the vote with your feet, the vote with your dollars, as opposed to everybody voting in an election, and there's winners and losers, let each person vote every day. And I was, um, I actually met him in 1980. During my MBA program, I set up A uh, basically uh, a speaker, a a, a thing where he could come and speak. And I actually flew on a private jet with him from California to Dallas, Texas, which was awesome to have just hours of one-on-one time with him. And he is just truly amazing. So, yes, uh, Milton Friedman is a hero of mine.
2: Well, okay. Now... I'm going to play a game of one-upsmanship here because I was envious to be on a private plane with Milton Friedman that distance, but uh, I met him the first time and he, educated me about school choice. He also actually gave me a fundraiser in 2004 when I was running for U.S. Senate as a libertarian. He endorsed my book on drug policy, which I'm pleased to say, Uh, and he also gave me a check for $1,000, which was the maximum campaign contribution, which I almost didn't cash and framed, but I took a Xerox (laughs) of it instead uh, for my campaign again in 2004. He's just a wonderful down-to-earth man, just an He's oh a just, yes, just okay. A you you
3: definitely beat me on that one. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> beat me on that one.
2: <laughs> Probably the only time, but but there we go. But but So let me move on. We don't have a whole lot of time left. Uh, you and Spike Cohen are running as president and vice president. I'm horrified or astounded to see all of the hundreds of millions of dollars that the Trumps and the Bidens are accumulating. Libertarians are not going to have that money. So what are your what's your game plan? Uh, you're stretched thin. There's just two of you. Although I'll do anything I can, and I, I hereby publicly volunteer what I already have privately. But what's your game plan? Your strategy between now and November 3rd to get the word out because you are the only mainstream candidate running for president of the United States. If people knew that, you'd win in a walk.
3: Oh, easily. And I like to quote Ed Clark, who, when he was asked if he could actually win, he said, I'd win by a landslide if I could sit at the kitchen table of every American family and just explain to them our policies. But I would like to publicly thank you for becoming my California State Campaign Coordinator. Thank you so much. It is nice to have somebody with such esteem be on the campaign. So I appreciate that. And I think we are making headway. We're doing part of it, of course through social media. That's where we get to have our message heard. And it helps that Joe Biden is still in this basement. And I'd like to give you good news if you haven't heard this yet, but about 75% of our volunteers are from outside of the Libertarian Party. And here's what's amazing, is it's been that way pretty much from the beginning. And that's unusual for a Libertarian campaign, because usually, you know, you start with your core supporters, and you work out, and you you know, slowly, people, slowly bring people in. But we've had people from outside the party just jump on board from the beginning, and we ask them, why do you want to join the campaign? And, you know, usually for Libertarians, they say things like, well, I want to spread the word of liberty. We're hearing a lot of people say, oh, we want Joe to be president. <laughs> so yes. I, this, this campaign just feels so different from other Libertarian campaigns. I really think we're making headway. And let me be the first to announce um, to you, although this will be um, aired later, that uh, we are having our first national rollout of ads uh, today. I believe, today or tomorrow, on on streaming. So I'm so excited about that. So we do have a different strategy than some of the other presidential campaigns, which is rather than hold back the money like Republicans typically do and Democrats typically do, which, which, which works for their kind of campaign. If you have name recognition hold your money to the end, and then you can have that big burst at the end. Well, with libertarians, a lot of people haven't heard from us. So what we're doing is we're spending the money up front so we can start a snowball. So Excellent. if you don't mind, I'd like to send your listeners to jo20.com, and that's spelled jo20.com. As I mentioned, we've got so many non-libertarian volunteers, and also... Any funds that we get in, we are spending right away on ads so we can get that momentum going.
2: Exactly the right thing to do. And in fact, our country is so polarized; people are grasping for a third voice, and you're it. So, and I'm glad to hear all of that. You have a, uh, and I'm. I did not know that you had so many non-libertarians, which makes perfect sense because, again, we're the only mainstream party in the country today, from my standpoint. Yep. So, uh, yep. You have this. Uh, I'm proud to be involved uh, publicly, privately, or otherwise. If others, uh, is there anything that they can go to for more information? You mentioned joe20.com. It's j o 20com Is that where they can get the most information and, of course, provide support, volunteer, financial, whatever it will feel good to, to be able to do? Is that where they should go?
3: Absolutely, yes. And we now have wonderful merchandise. So we've got T-shirt taps, yard signs, uh-huh. uh, stainless steel water mugs. We even have onesies. Oh, you need to get your grandchild a onesie. We've got onesies.
2: <laughs> Done. Are,
3: I, 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 I'm not sure if grandfathers know what onesies are. <laughs> but, I, I don't. Uh, I was going to go to
2: your website and, okay. and investigate. What are they? <laughs>
3: It's, and I'm sure you've seen your grandchild in it, but it's the little um, Hudson, right? It's it's the little one piece that they wear. It's like a little t-shirt and bottoms all combined into one. It's like the typical baby thing, and mothers everywhere know what onesies are. Uh, but it's it's kind of the the building block of the uh, baby wardrobe, and we've got onesies with our logo on it. <laughs> so. Uh... We know
2: what Hudson's going to be wearing between now and November the
3: 3rd.
2: (laughs) Well, we've talked about pretty much uh, so many issues. There's so much more to talk about. But what I'm talking about is quality, folks. Uh, You have Dr. Joe Jorgensen, who is running full-fledged. You're going to see these ads coming out. We're going to build that momentum every state, state by state, but contribute go and see what she's about. I know that you feel polarized. I know that you feel you don't have a voice. I know that we have you know, two old white guys running, and then we have somebody like Dr. Joe. You heard her qualifications. Doctor, thank you for being with us. Count on me for anything that I can do. Uh, People here on All Rise, I hope, will flood over to joe20.com, J-O-2-0.com, and support a really solid candidate that they can be proud to support. Any final thoughts? We just have about 30 seconds.
3: Well, I just want to tell you how grateful I am to you both for your help with the campaign and for giving me a platform to spread the message. And thank you for all the work that you've been doing and that you're continuing to do. So we need so many voices out there spreading the message. We can't just do it with a presidential campaign. We need state, local, and federal office uh, candidates. And we need people out there spreading the message through media, as you're doing. So thank you for your dedication. Flat
2: out welcome. So thank you. Uh, This is a love fest, folks, for cause. Uh, this is something that you can be proud of, Doctor Joe Jorgensen, Jorgensen Cohen, President, Vice President, 2020 Libertarians. Look into it. You're a Libertarian too, I expect, folks. And in fact, Doctor, I can tell you quickly that I put a label or a, uh, a label on each of these editions every time I do it, and include the word Libertarian. It gets more listenership. So that that tells you that people are much more interested in Libertarians than they used to be, for good reason. So yep. thank you for tuning in. Good luck to us all. Good luck to Dr. Jorgensen. Good luck to the United States of America. Good luck to us all. We understand that if we employ the libertarian values and approaches that Dr. Joe Jorgensen has been discussing in this last hour, we will literally all rise together. That's behind this. We're going to do this. I'm optimistic. I'm proud. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week again for another session of All Rise. In the meantime, I sign off like I always do, saying,